Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Saturday of March. I am here with my bestest friend ever, Olivia. Say hi, Olivia. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I am just so pumped that we are here finally recording. Um, I think we've often said that with our friendship, it would just be so fantastic if we recorded a lot of our conversations because they just go in really crazy directions and I love it so much. We've definitely said that more than once. <laughs> yeah. And now we're actually here recording and people get a glimpse. Having the most fun ever. Obviously, obviously. And we're only like 30 <laughs> seconds in, so we're already on a good start. <laughs> Um, okay, so a little backstory for uh, people who are listening. Um, first of all, this is our first Saturday of interviews, so this is going to be great, and I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, but part of the reason that I chose uh, Olivia to be the first one is because we have been super good friends for almost a decade. Wow. Maybe? Eight or nine, I don't know. Eight or nine years. <laughs> so long that we can't do the math anymore. Time. Uh, so we basically went through university together and a lot of different life stages together and just do life, which is the best. And fun fact, she is a published author and I just, I know, I think we should just promote that. Um, do you want to tell everyone a brief synopsis about your book that's now out? Thanks for asking me something I didn't prepare for, Maddie, but sure. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Okay. Just like honestly. Honest fact, I get asked this a lot, obviously, and it never gets any easier. I get so, like, nervous whenever anybody asks me what my book's about, but okay, here goes. Um, Basically, it's this story of this girl named Skylar who, um, about a a year after she loses her hearing in an accident, she's really eager to, like, get her life back on track and move on, but her family, specifically her brother, who was there during the accident, is you know, still really rocked by this, um, this kind of uh, tragedy that has happened to their family. And um, Skylar can't remember the accident, um, but her brother doesn't seem to want to talk to her anymore. So there's a little bit of that, that sibling bond that's kind of lost. So the book's really about the sibling bond being both Skylar trying to heal it again, and then also just out there living life, making new friends, trying to figure out kind of what to take into this new stage of life and then what to leave behind in childhood. And so growing up, families, that's the book. (laughs) Uh, I really wish this was a video podcast because (laughs) your arms just were so dramatic that whole time. (laughs) I think the the, like more nervous I get or the more I'm like, I'm losing my train of thought. The bigger my hand gestures are, like flailing over here. (laughs) I love it. Anyway, you all should go by seeing voices, uh, all places that books are found. Is that what people say? All places books are found? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. And you have another book coming out, which... I do. Can people pre-order it? Not yet. Hopefully soon. Okay. Um, it's not quite at that stage yet, though. But it's coming out in April. July. Or July. It's coming out in 2021, <laughs> everybody. I clearly know all of these facts. Um. Okay, so we were talking the other day, and you shared a super cool story about some really exciting news, but, and I want you to share the exciting news because I think it's just awesome, but then the whole journey leading up to it, I think there's just so much value in how, like, that journey that you've gone through and how you've processed all of it, 
So first of all, can you just give us your really exciting news and this backstory behind it all? So my really exciting news is that last week, well, last week as of us filming this, um, I signed a contract with my very first literary agent, um, which for those, yeah, (laughs) woo, I'm still not over it. Like I am so excited. Um, but for those of those of you listeners out there who are not like super in the publishing world, basically short story, long story short, um, authors need literary agents to sell their books to big publishers, kind of, sort of the same way most people get a real estate agent to help them sell their house. Um, so in the fine details, they do totally different jobs. But if you just like go kind of like big picture concept, real estate agents and literary agents are both helping you sell something. And a lot of people have asked me, wait a minute, is this your first agent? Because you already sold a book to a publisher. So what's the big deal, basically? (laughs) And the reason I'm so excited about this is because um, Seeing Voices was published with a small press. Absolutely love them. Just wonderful experience. But my dream has been to hopefully end up published with like one of the big five houses, like the ones that we all think of when we think of publishing houses. And they only speak to literary agents. So those doors have been closed to me this whole time. And now they are open, which is why I'm so excited. <laughs> the world is your oyster now. What? How would it be <laughs> Okay, now, okay, yes, exciting. If I had, like, balloons or streamers or uh, if I was prepared and had dramatic music ready to go, I would do some sort of party with you right now. But I <laughs> don't have any of those things. So... The, the the news is all obviously very exciting and we celebrate that, but it didn't come overnight like a lot of oh. things in life and it was a three-year journey. So yes. can you yeah. tell us a little bit about like what were the ups and downs of all of that? What was that experience like over the last three years? Yes, I will tell you it was mostly not fun <laughs> because it was mostly full of rejection and to put it very bluntly it was three years of people saying i just don't like your book enough to try to sell it for you that's what it comes down to because well yeah it sucked honestly (laughs) because for three years i have been sending essentially like a book proposal so kind of like a cover letter or a resume for a job i've been sending these out about my book to different literary agents and i tried looking for a literary agent with seeing voices found my publisher instead went with them great decision Then I wrote another book and sent it out to literary agents and a couple of them asked to read the whole thing, which is a big deal. Everybody just ended up essentially just saying they didn't like it enough, which is like almost worse than hearing that there's something concretely wrong with it because they would be like, oh no, it's a great book. I just don't like it. (laughs) I was like, okay, it's only super important to me and very vulnerable in my heart, but it's fine. So three years of of rejections, essentially, almost 50 rejections with three different projects. So I was starting to get discouraged and I was starting to think like, is my writing voice just unlikable? Like, do I just write books that people don't like? Do you know what I mean? Because I like them and I, I feel like it's really vulnerable and it's coming from some of my own experiences and, and people are just saying they don't like it. So three years of this, sometimes wondering if I should like just give up and stop trying or sometimes thinking maybe these books are not meant to be out there like you know just asking these questions like is this ever going to happen is this 
is this a waste of my time? Should I be doing something else? Um, so I lost my train of thought, but yeah, the three years were really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what kept you going? Because it just is like, you get kicked down over and over and over and over again, but you kept getting back up. What, what was the thing that you held to? Honestly, it's this, this is what I come back to and keep reminding myself of specifically in my writing journey. Um, I believe that I have these stories in my head and on the page because of, um, because of God. Like I believe that there's something about me that has to write. And I believe that's been placed in me for a purpose. And so sometimes I write stories where God is like present on the page by name in prayer or whatever. And sometimes I write stories that never explicitly mention God at all. But in every book I like, and I'm not even trying to put it there, but in every book I feel as though there's a message for readers about like true love and not like the romantic kind of true love, but like the true love that comes from God. Honestly, that love I, I feel is a, is just threaded through every manuscript. And because of that, I just, I really feel like it's my, it's my job or it's my purpose or whatever to maybe not purpose because my purpose is to love and be loved by God, but it's maybe, maybe my calling is a better word to write the stories and to do my best to give them their best shot out in the world. However, my job is not to manufacture or force my own success. And my job is not to like, like there are things that I have control of and there are things that I don't. So I have control over the stories that I write, which I believe are kind of um, inspired by, um, by my calling or whatever. And then I believe that it's in my control to work as hard as I can, query as many agents as I can, like do the hard work. When I get rejected, keep going. Like, cause I can control that. I can keep going. And then I just have to let it go. I have to say like, you know, it's not in my control if an agent wants to sign with me. It's just not, that's not something I can do. So I try not to worry about it. And I try not to let the rejections get me down because I'm like, I can't control this. What I can control is my own, basically my obedience to the calling that I feel like God has given me. And so I keep writing and I keep sending out these query letters to agents. And I just think like I'm doing my part and maybe God's whole purpose in my calling is for these stories to be for me and my sister and a couple of friends. And maybe that's my whole calling is to do the work and that's the reward. And that's that. That's not what I expected. It's not what I always hope, but that would have to be enough for me because I feel like I have this calling. So whatever it looks like, I can only do what I have and I have to just trust that I am fulfilling my calling by being obedient even if like success or publicity or big contracts never come and so that even though it's really hard and I have cried over some rejections that I've gotten you know like it's hard and I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my calling all the time I'm doing air quotes for people (laughs) listening to the podcast (laughs) but I just have to keep going uh Wow. Okay. Um, first of all, preach it. That was <laughs> so well worded. And in my head, I'm like, oh, we could go in this direction. Oh, we could go in this direction. Oh, we could go in this direction. And I'm that's okay. That's okay. This is the fun of this. Um, so one of the things and conversations that I have, especially with uh, students in high school and university, and both you and I have um, and a huge history of working with students. Um, yeah. 
And many of them really struggle to figure out what their calling actually is. Um, but you have this like clear conviction of this is my calling and this is what I need to do. And I'm sure it's, well, you've always loved writing, but I'm sure like maybe along the way, if you wanted to be an author was kind of waffled up and down a little bit, maybe. So what did you, what were the, like in hindsight, what were the, some of the steps that you took that helped you figure out that this was your calling and then that you just like set you solidified that as this is my calling and everything else is just kind of around it. You know what I mean? That's a, yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I think the first thing before you can kind of figure out like what your calling is in a physical sense, like this is what I do because this is what I think I'm called to do. I think it's easier to figure out what that is when you take the pressure off a little bit. So to younger students or people who are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel really like worthless or purposeless or whatever. I think the first step is to acknowledge that like your, your purpose and your greatest calling is to love God, be loved by God and love others. And everybody can do that regardless of whether or not they have like a thing I'm doing air quotes again, like a thing that they do that they think of you. So like if you live your whole life and you never know what that special thing is, as long as you love God, you are loved by God and you love others you have lived a very purpose-filled life. Um, I think there is a lot of pressure to find like one thing that I'm called to do. And I think some people like have an easier job figuring that out than others. And I feel like I know a lot of adults, older adults who still don't feel like they have a thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. As long as, like I said, you're like, you can live such a purpose-filled life by loving and being loved in that sense. So I think taking some pressure off there is really helpful because it's hard to do anything when you feel like there's this like weight on you. Like I need to, I need to figure this out. I am living a purposeless life. Like that's huge. Mm -hmm. So get rid of that. Nobody needs to carry that. Um, but then I guess the way I kind of started to identify with like writing books as a calling is when I was a kid and a teenager, I was just doing something I loved. I was just playing around. Um, when I was a teenager, I actually was all like, I never want to publish a book because then it would be quote unquote work. And this is just like, for me, like my hobby. And I don't want to share it with others. And I don't know, it was a strange time. But <laughs> then eventually, of course, when I wrote Seeing Voices, I was like, I love this so much. I want to share it. I want to give this to other people because I'm passionate about it. And even then writing Seeing Voices, I don't know if I would have called it like a calling because I was still kind of like having fun with it, which I think is a great place to start. Again, like there's no pressure. It's okay. <laughs> but then I really think it was probably when, when it got real. So when I sat down and said to myself, I am going to try to publish this book. I am going to start querying and sending my work off to strangers to read. What does this mean? Why am I doing this? And I think that point was when I was like, I really, really feel like <laughs> I should, or I, I want to for something that's bigger than me. Like it wasn't all about fame and publicity, although I'm human. So I have to be honest and say, that's nice. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, I don't even know how many followers I have on Instagram because I do, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the reason. Like there was this, I'm circling back. I'm, I repeat my thinking a lot and I've lost my train of thought. So I'm going to ditch that thought there. I think I've made the point, but, <laughs> um, when things started to get hard is when I really started to identify it as a calling because then I was like, 
why am I still doing this mm. when I'm getting rejected? Why not stop? I could stop. Like nobody really cares at this point what I do. They would, nobody knows my name. I could stop. And I didn't want to. And I felt very strongly that there was something bigger than me going on. And I was like, it's not my job to stop. It's my job to, to work and to put it out there and to do what I can and just to trust that God will handle the rest. So that's when I really kind of started to identify it as a calling was when it got hard and I realized that I felt like I shouldn't stop. <clears throat> hmm. Interesting. So it's a mix of like noticing these are the things that I love and these are the my passion. And that, like everybody has a passion somewhere. And it sometimes I think we like put it, uh, our passions in like a really small box of, you know, like writing's a passion yeah. or sports is a passion or whatever but it goes way beyond that and there are so many really unique passions that people have and it's noticing that um which is really important and then the other thing that you said that was really interesting is like knowing your why and like yes this my why is because I believe that I have this gift and this calling and when it gets tough if I lose sight of that why then I'm gonna go off like if you lost sight of that you would have given up on rejection number three probably but because that was so yeah. strong, it kept you going and was the the fuel that you needed to keep going, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing that we were talking about a while ago was like in this process, there were, because sometimes you think like, so in this three-year process for you, it could be perceived as you started at ground zero and then boop, one big jump and now you have an agent. But there were so many little right. decisions that you had to make in the process and- yes. um, just the importance of that, like some of the hard decisions or some of the decisions that you didn't know you were really making that then opened doors. Can you give us that mm -hmm. one story of that yeah. little decision that you made <laughs> that opened up all the doors? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And it's interesting because this story only becomes a story in hindsight because yeah. as it was happening over three years, to be honest, nothing was happening. And then well, I'm explaining it without explaining it. So I'll tell the story. <laughs> um, but basically three years ago, when I set out to query seeing voices for the first time, um, I was visiting our pastor, Paul, um, and his wife, Carolyn. And he asked me a very simple question, which was, Olivia, what are you doing this summer? And what I was doing that summer was preparing to query my very like first publishable novel and I was very excited about it, but I was feeling a little sensitive about it too, because when you are around university age and you write a book, a lot of people like don't know how to place that. Like they're like, oh, like did you write a story or, or did you write like a novel or you're not published? And so sometimes you can get responses that hurt your feelings a little bit. <laughs> so I, I was a little sensitive about sharing my dream with somebody because I was afraid they would be like, oh, like that's so cute. <laughs> which is not the response that I was really going for. But I thought to myself, when he asked me this question, I was like, you know, this is really what I want to do. I want to stand behind it. I want to like be confident in, in my goal here. Like, I don't want to be hiding from it or like kind of doing everything in private because I'm afraid of what people will think. And that was the first decision that I made was to be, have a little confidence and say what I wanted out loud before it had happened yet. So I said, well, I've written this book and I'm trying to get it published. And I said it with as much confidence as I could. And then this was this tiny little decision that I thought about for maybe like four seconds in my head. And then our pastor, Paul, he turned around to his computer and he was like, I have a friend in publishing. 
let me message him and messaged him right there, right in front of me. And now again, when people say they know somebody in publishing, like, I didn't know what that meant. I was like, mm -hmm. like, do you have a friend who's like a magazine editor, which would be like in publishing, but like totally different world from me. And so I was like, okay, that's nice. Thank you. Whatever. Like not whatever, but thank you. And, and it turned out that the, his friend was a publisher of a publishing house who didn't have any spots left for fiction. So I was like, oh, well, dead end basically. Um, and we had some great conversations. Anytime you talk with a, with an industry professional, it's amazing. So I was very excited to just be in the conversation, but very much like this is not going to end in a publishing deal. I knew that. And so I uh, chatted with this, with Don, Don Pape, who was, was the um, industry professional that I was talking to. And he was a publisher at Nav Press at that time. So he connected with me with some, with an editor who helped me edit Seeing Voices again. He actually referred me to a couple of literary agents who didn't like my work, <laughs> which again, was the story of that three years, right? Just a bunch of different rejections for a bunch of different reasons. And so ultimately the connections that Don and I kind of made for a couple of months were like incredibly helpful to me and really kind of kickstarted my querying journey and helped me to land my publishing contract because the editing that his friend helped me do was really huge. But then in my head, I was like, okay, that was really great. That was really wonderful. And now here I am. And that was something that happened last summer. And I'm just moving forward in my querying journey. And that was the case for the next two years. Don and I like kept in touch, you know, he'd say, how's your querying journey going? And I'd say, well, you know, same. <laughs> and he would maybe make me another referral, like super nice guy, like very like, really like cared about my author career, but at NavPress, there just wasn't a space for me. And the referrals that he would give me were just great, but the agents didn't connect with my work. And so it just seemed like a, like a great connection that wasn't going to necessarily lead to anything. And then in January of this year, I noticed that Dawn had left NavPress and opened a literary agency. And I thought to myself, what? <laughs> So I sent him a query in January and then he read some of my work. We scheduled a phone call and then he said, you know what? I'm really interested in working with you. I'd love to represent you formally as a client. And I was like, how is this happening? But we signed a contract and then I started screaming and telling people that I had signed with my first literary agent. Um, but immediately in hindsight was that, like you said, small decisions. I was like, if I had not had that confidence to tell our pastor about my dream, I never would have made the connection. Or if at any point during my querying journey, I had, like, I was querying some, some of the bigger name agents. And there are smaller agents out there that may, maybe would have liked my work more, or I could have signed with, but ultimately wouldn't have helped me to move my career in the direction I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. But I had been rejected enough times, I was seriously considering it. Like maybe this is as high as I go. I should make the best of it like here where I'm at. And so there were a million different times where I could have sent my book somewhere and got a publishing contract faster. And I almost did several times and I didn't. And that would have you know, prevented me from signing with Dawn. So there were a million different small decisions that I didn't know I was making 
until in hindsight, you look back over the past three years and you think, oh my word, if I hadn't talked to Paul, it would have been different. If I had had, you know, kind of settled for a publishing house that I wasn't really sure if I wanted to work with, it would have been different. And wow. Yeah. And yeah, I just think that is so cool where you, like you had this dream, but you had to have the courage to actually put words to it and like bring people in. And how many people, yeah. And how many people do we know that have hidden dreams, but they need to take the risk to actually voice it. And you just never know where it's going to go. And that's sometimes just having courage to take a risk is just all the steps you need to take. And then it just opens doors and then doors close in front of you. But that's another thing. So, (laughs) um, okay. This is uh, why I wanted you to be on here first, because you just dropped so much truth and (laughs) so much (laughs) that you said that I was like, oh, I, this is why I need Olivia in my life because I'm sitting here learning from you. And I'm like, oh yeah, like that's a really great point. And anyway, so this is why I wanted you to be the first one on this podcast. And it's, yeah, you have such a cool story and I just think you're awesome and we should stay best friends forever. Agreed. (laughs) So agreed. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Any final uh, pieces of wisdom you want to drop on us? I'm sure you have tons, but... (laughs) nothing's just like popping into my head so (laughs) (laughs) okay cool um so with that i guess we will close off this saturday's uh, episode of i guess mornings with maddie or interviews or whatever so uh thank you olivia for joining us and thank uh, you so much for having me this was the best yeah and i guess we'll be back next week with another interview